Hey everybody, Rob Ridley, National Fire Radio, here live at the Aerial Scope Bucket Bar. <laughs> Every time uh, I, I do one of these intros, Jeremy's got to chuckle, laugh, or smirk just to try to mess me up. Anyway, we're here with Dan Rothermel, Jeremy, Tucker, myself, set behind the camera. Jeremy, take it away. Taking it away. Dan, thanks, brother. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. So, real quick, couple quick stories, and then we're gonna capture your story. All right. Um, and we have uh, this is our first shot, uh, first shoot that we have a live uh, audience tonight too. So we yeah. got yeah. a couple guys in the background that we'll we'll certainly so when, introduce when the them uh, in a minute. On, you guys yeah, gotta yeah, clap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll I'll tell you this, Dan. We have been uh, this has been a whirlwind year for us at National Fire Radio, and. Part of what's exciting about what we get to do and what we've created is we get to meet guys like you and guys like these guys here who have such a passion in history uh, for the craft and we are humbled and honored to be here, one, so thank you. Oh, you're very We're welcome. in your home, this is your this is your man cave, if you will, and man, I'm freaking jealous of it and I hope to have a room <laughs> like this too uh, one day and so on, but uh, incredible. But I, where I want to go with this is that you and I got mixed up through... Rob. Yep. So uh, East Cape Clothing is your uh, your graphics company, your yep, t-shirt company, company. Yep. Uh, and so on. And you've been uh, nice enough to do and work with us on all of our Tiller Time product and uh, our National Fire Radio shirts and so on. So earlier today, we shot down at the factory real quick and yep. shot how you do it uh, and so on. And, and that is your side hustle yep. on top of being a career fireman. Yes. And uh, and so it's, it's apparent today, man. We've had an incredible day so far. We have a long... Long way to go this afternoon and tonight with you, but uh, this <laughs> yeah. is turning into yeah. uh, you know quite a day. But um, here we are. We're sitting at your bar. This this bucket has some history with me as well. This was uh, the second alarm companies to my hometown. Sure. Used to run this truck on their Mac. Um, they used to run this bucket. So there's there's a lot of history here sitting in this thing, which is a retired FDNY rig. Yep, 161. And then uh, Wyckoff, New Jersey. Yep. And then uh, it went elsewhere too, yeah, right? Yeah, so like, it went into the float pool, basically. I guess the Seagrave dealer in uh, New Jersey picked it up, and they would loan it out. It was a place called Bridgeport for a while. It was a place called Oceanside for a while. Yeah. Uh, kind of popped around. If you ordered a new scope or you had one down, if this was available... It ended up at your firehouse, and you beat the shit out of it, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, so uh, to bring up to how I got to this yeah, point, please. how I wanted to do this. So uh, when I was going to college uh, in the 80s, ooh, early 90s, I lived at Progress in Harrisburg, and we had a tower ladder there. I worked 3 to 11, and I was the truck lieutenant, so I would do my checkout at night after, the, after I got off shift. So I would come in, nobody else would be around. I'd be checking off, make sure everything's good. And I remember one night I climbed up into the bucket to check on all the tools and make sure everything was, was good. And I just thought, man, this is, you know, I, I really, this is my happy place almost. You know what I mean? Like if I'm yeah. in here going to a roof, this is, this is it for me. And I just always thought, man, what if you just put a top on here? You could make this a kick-ass bar. So... Lo well, and behold. you made a kick out yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winner, winner, chicken so, dinner over here. So, uh, lo and behold, you know, uh, 17, 18 years later, we were building this house, and I decided I was going to put this into motion. I had heard about this truck that um, was possibly going to be uh, stripped of parts. Yeah. And I, I was tracking it down, and then we were taking it from one place to another. The flywheel exploded, caught the truck on fire. It ended up down at Interstate Truck in uh, Hagerstown. And I called down there to the girl... And she said, yeah, it was available. Uh, I drove down to see it, and I got down there, and actually uh, Kentland had just rolled their t their truck over, and they had taken the Kentland bucket off as well. So now I'm sitting there like, man, what do I do? Like, 
here's this bucket with everything on it, the doors, the, the controls, right, right. everything, or there's Kentland's bucket that they stripped everything off of. So I'm like, what do you do in that situation? So I bought them both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Yep. So uh, it was fun. I just loaded this thing in the back of my truck. I went back, got the other one later on. But uh, had this thing had the gun on it still and, and all the controls and the... Uh, uh, the leveling cylinders and right. we just and it was like in the back of my truck going up 81 it's like people are driving by looking at me uh, but I, I brought it back started polishing and and uh, you know here it is uh, shout out to uh, Rich Seacrest from Specialized Fire in Middletown he I had a whole design how I wanted to do this and I sat down with him and like I'm like and I have this and this and he looked at me square in the eye and he said well if we didn't know what if we didn't know anything about working with metal this is probably how we do it but I'm going to show you what we're going to do. And he, man, he just That's he fabricated this. and and uh, It's certainly a piece, man. I, like, I, I am absolutely jealous, and I would love to get this in the back of my truck. We're just never going <laughs> to get it out of here. You're going yep. yeah. to have to take the wall down to get it out of yep. here. Um, but uh, this is awesome. I mean, really. And, and so let's talk about you a little bit. I mean, this is all about meeting guys that really have a passion for the job. And you, I mean, really are connected in every which way I can imagine. And, and yep. from what I've seen, with just the guys that you surround yourself with and the, you know, and so on. So maybe we can talk about your career a little bit and how you got started and so on. All right. So uh, it's kind of a kind of a mess. But when I was young, I grew up in Lawn, Pennsylvania. It was just a, a two-horse town. I mean, literally the only thing there was a uh, post office and a fire company. Yeah. None of my parents, or as far as I know, any of my relatives were ever firemen. Uh, it was the only thing of any interest that was going on and fortunately and there was you didn't a, want to be a postman no <laughs> <laughs> so there was a fireman there his name was ivan hansen and you know i mean i was little little like you know maybe seven eight nine ten in that era and uh he just kind of every time there was something going on he took time and you know let me put a coat on let me work with a hose put so an cool. air pack on me uh and that kind of spawned the interest and uh i moved overseas with my father couple years after that I met a guy over there from the Chicago Fire Department that worked for the government that was in charge of like arranging and, and rearranging their fire department so I got into stuff over there and he got me a scanner and I had a little, cool little badge and I had some gear and uh, my first like the first time I was really allowed to go into a call it was a 747 crash at the Manila International Airport so, <laughs> yeah. so what was your first? Yeah, so my first fires. You so, know, we, we do this thing on the yeah. on the show sometimes with our yeah. guests. We talk about your first fire. You yeah. know, tell me about food on the stove. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> So, right, so, you got, so you got a 747 that crashed. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that was fun. You know, we got, I was there for like three days, and uh, I ended up getting a, a bunch it, of letters. From, was it like a cargo plane, a passenger? Oh, no, plane? it's passengers. It's uh, Korean Airlines Flight 007 going ah. back to uh, Seoul, Korea. How it's, many uh, souls on board? There's like 290 or something. It was a lot. Wow. It was a full yeah. plane. And Where did this happen? Uh, Manila, Philippines. It skidded off the runway and went into the uh, into onto the service road. I have some photo albums. We'll we'll pull them out later. And it's pretty neat shit. That's wild. So I got all kinds of uh, letters and stuff from the president of the airline, the the guy from Chicago. You know, it was kind of neat. So I was like, man, this is really you know, this is that, those were the two major things for me yeah. that kind of got me involved. Uh, moved back here, moved to, to the uh, Hershey, Hummelstown area, uh, started, got certified as an EMT, which I don't know if I should tell that story, but basically, before computers, you had to be 16 in Pennsylvania to become an EMT, and I wanted to do it so badly, they wouldn't let you start the class until you were 16, and I think I might have made an error on my application, and uh, the class started in September, and then we were testing in December, 
and I remember asking for the application back to make sure that I hadn't made an error, and I corrected it. So by the time I was, I was an EMT, I was 16. I don't think you can do that now with computers. But. No. <laughs> so I did that, and then uh, I was at, uh, I wasn't at Hershey, I was at Union Deposit, and we didn't have very many calls, and I kept hearing about, you know, you'd hear the city, and you'd hear, you know, progress would be rolling out, calls all the time, all the time. Finally got to go in a big fire where Progress was there, and these dudes rolled off. Every one of them had a tool. There was no question. Everybody had a job. They just went right to work. I mean, we're talking uh, mid-'80s now, before anybody really did that shit, and I was pretty impressed. So a friend of mine uh, was moving in there, and I talked to him, and I was like, you know what? I want to make the move. I want to I want to be as good as I can be. So I moved into Progress, and, you know, as Jason can attest, man, it's a, it was a different world. They're still, you know, doing a lot of good stuff there. And uh, I mean that just that once you're once you get into the environment where you have the right people around you that just drill training. I mean, you know this thing in, in here where it says back to the truck. Yeah. I mean Jason can attest to that, man. If you didn't throw the ladders right, like you, it could be the last thing if you didn't tie off right or the angle wasn't right. That that was done. You went back to the truck and started all over. And uh, you know I still throw ladders today the way that he taught me to throw them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's just I loved it there. Uh, Met my wife while I was there. Ended up getting married. Uh, work, at that time, I worked for the Turnpike as a first responder, and I worked there for 23 years. About 21 years into it, I got diagnosed with cancer, wow. uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had to do chemo, radiation, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be a first responder on the Turnpike. The other thing that led, leading up to that is uh, with the drivers. I had jumped over the guardrail like three or four times in a year where I almost got hit. Wow. And like I was working by myself, you would go out to a crash by yourself. A little hairy, you know, you can yeah. imagine you're out there by yourself, you're trying to do patient care. When I started, we had ambulances, you know, on the turnpike, and then we had gotten, they just went to that state farm thing that they do now. Uh, so it was kind of getting out of what I, where my interest was. Right. And, uh, you know, from jumping over the guardrail and then the chemo, or the, the cancer thing, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. And uh, my I, wife... I remember that. You, you told me that story and you related it. You were like, well, this is what I did. And then this event happened. And I, did, I just told your thunder you're about Yeah, no, I, that's... But, like, it was, like, what was it that your wife kind of... Because, like, I remember you, you describing this Right, day. so, uh, you know, it's a hell of a thing when you're 37 years old. You have two kids, that's uh, you know, small kids, and you're sitting across from a doctor, and she's like, you need to get your affairs in order. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, if this doesn't work, well, you know... I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was mind-blowing. So, yeah. you know, you have a lot, you do a lot of soul-searching, and you look at your kids a different way, you look at your life a different way, and I was, I, you know, my wife's like, do you have any regrets? And I said, well, I had applied in New York City with a friend of ours from uh, uh, Progress. There was three of us had gone up and taken the test, and we did fairly well. I got my card to go up and do the CPAT equivalent at the time, and uh, one of the guys that we had gone with had gotten killed the year before, and I had nine years in. And uh, the guy who got me interested in New York City, Miles Bojanic, used to live in Pembroke. He was like, dude, don't do it. He's like, if you're happily married, like I had one more year to go to be vested at the turnpike. And he's like, don't do it. And I'm like, well, why not? It's my whole life. It's my right. dream. Right. And he's like, no, dude. He's like, you're going to get a divorce. Like, it's not, it's like your retirement. It's your wife. It's your family. It's everything you know you're going to lose. Just so you know that. Like, he was brutally honest with me. And I hated him at the time, but retrospect you know you really appreciate it so I said to my wife after you know fast forward I was like you know the only thing that I regret is that maybe that wasn't the right time but I never tried after that to get a career job right. but I think I'd be really good at it right so she said well 
why don't you promise that promise me or promise yourself that once you get through this uh, that's what you'll do and I was like that's a fucking great idea so it was like through her that I was able I was like wow what a neat like most people fight cancer you know they go through it like oh, I just want to get through it you know, I'm like, I got a you compass. A I got a compass. I'm drawing a hundred mile radius around my house to see like the department. Yeah. Like I'm pulling, this is like, you know, computers were just kind of coming in. So it wasn't like it is now where you pull shit up. So I'm sitting, mailing to places, you know, Allentown, ready, you know, send me information about your department, stuff like that. So I actually had two goals. Like I, there was never really any question in my mind whether I was not going to live or not. My question was, where am I going to get hired? That is incredible. Like, think about that for a minute, right? Like. 37, diagnosed with cancer, get your affairs in order, you have a young family, right? My best friend from Arizona says to me on the phone one night when I told him, he goes, dude, you got to beat this. He goes, if you don't, your youngest son won't even remember your name. Yeah. Like, he won't even remember you. And I'm like, like, yep. that's not a joke. And I, and I, I think we're... And that's the kind of friends I have. I mean, most people will say, man, that's terrible. But no, that's a great thing to tell your buddy, you know? Did, did that help in the fight? When you were uh, like, like or, or did you just just keep that determination about you? I just it, it was never I was not go there was never a, I'm gonna fail at this yeah like, I mean you can see the shit that I do I always yeah. work like if clearly I look around and I see half-ass things so something, right? something doesn't yeah. work I just change right. it and make it work you know yeah. what I mean like okay that was my idea originally like this you know I had what you're seeing before you is kind of what I had in mind, but it wasn't the first idea. I think I think so. this is where I was kind of going with this, is that, you know, you had all these things that you're up against, but yet you came out on top and you're flying high, and I think right. it all has to do with recognizing, one, the people you surround yourself with, and two, understanding that you had, you weren't finished, man. You had a oh, lot yeah, more no, to do. Yeah, I mean, yep. I look at, like, today, just spending the day with you has been really eye-opening for me, and you <laughs> want to talk... You know, it's funny, real quick, just on a side note, we meet so many people that have lost that spirit. They've lost the drive of the brotherhood and the fire right. service. Right. And then you have a day like today where it just reinvigorates like who this, who you are, who we well, it, are, what we do. It's also everything from old to new. I mean, right. you have this new business with these t-shirts yep. and stuff. And then we went over and visited these guys yeah. in this old firehouse. I mean, yep. And then look at this stuff. But this oh, yeah. is, it's just incredible to me. And I'm, I'm sitting here in awe, like, and not, I'm, I'm having a hard time putting my words out because... He's having a hard time not playing with this and making the bucket go up. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. But, he's having a hard but, I mean, I just, like, your story, and this is this is just scratching the surface. Oh, yeah. So, yep. so here we are. I mean, you, you were drawing circles on the map. You're going through yep. radiation and chemo, and you're still and it was trying so to funny. figure out where you want to get on the job. So, it was so funny because the guys at Progress, everybody was at that point now, you know, the hiring bubble was starting to go on, you know, right. like all the departments were getting bigger. Everybody was hiring. PG was hiring, you know, and Harrisburg was hiring, but you had to live there. And, you know, there's some little, you know, you could get hired as a driver here. And so I drew that circle. I wanted uh, money, chance for advancement, specialty teams, things I was interested in. So right. added everything up and I picked Montgomery County. And I was like, it's the only place I applied. And so all the guys at the firehouse who were also doing the same things were like, dude, you, that's not how it works. Like, you just take tests, and then that's, like, wherever you test they well, call, yeah. that's where you get hired. And I'm like, well, that's what you guys are doing, and none of you have jobs, so that shit ain't working. So <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so that's great. I did, and, and uh, there's a, another buddy of mine, Matt Miles, him and I, he actually worked at the Turnpike with me, He's, and I said, he goes, I told him, I said, dude, I'm out of here. I said, I'm getting a fire department job. And he goes, well, fucking don't leave me behind. Like, take me with you. So I said, all right, well, here's the plan. And, you know, uh, 
like everything I do, I go way overboard. And I was like, I sat down and I studied and I got information and I got every resource that I could get. I went down, they have a Montgomery County at the time, I don't know if they still do, they have like a night to ask questions. And whoever said there's never been a dumb question has never been to one of those nights. Like there people haven't even been hired, they haven't even taken a test. Can I wear a leather helmet? Like, you know what? The answer is yep. probably going to come to you if you get hired. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. So uh, I went to all three of those, reached out to the recruiting, like, what can I do? They told me some books. So, you know, I kind of did a little bit more research, found out who did the testing, got samples of their tests. Like, I mean, I had, you know, I walked down there, even taking tests. Like, it's like, okay, you're going to be three hours, take a, a, a power bar with you so that, you know, eat it right before because it's, a, you know, it's, it's, like I had all, I had right. more information than I needed and we did really, really well. Uh, same thing with the oral interview. Like everybody thinks, oh, I do great at the oral interview. And I would have thought the same thing. When you did the oral interview in Montgomery, did they have the three people asking questions with the yes. descending clock? Yep. Because that was one thing I, like, I remember for those of you who are listening, uh, how I met Dan was uh, through my connections in PG County taking a class. But at the time I was looking to get hired somewhere else I wasn't exactly happy with my situation and dad provided all the information I needed the one thing that he didn't tell me about <laughs> but I didn't ask either was because I didn't really think that far in advance was that oral interview I remember getting in there and at the beginning I was very comfortable and at the end like they hit me with a really good question at the end and yep. I mean it was just it spun me in so many different directions and that clock's like, you have 30 seconds to answer this. Yep. And I was like, this is what I would do. <laughs> I was uh, I was so ready for my interview because I had done so much research, like what they could ask you, way to answer a question, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, they ask, they, almost every department asks a question that implies stealing, but they don't ever ask a question that's saying, you saw somebody steal this. So yeah. the, the, the answer is lies in the analogy of the question, not necessarily what they're asking. So if, you, if they say something like, uh, they just want you, they want to see what you're assuming. They want, sure. Are you assuming that guy's stealing it or are they assuming they're, you're not? And the way to get really well on, on uh, questions that I learned at the time, maybe it's all changed now, was make sure that you're not assuming anything into the question, but answer the question for all possibilities and manage your time appropriately. And that's what I ended up doing, you know, in a question about is somebody stealing or is it possible? So I'd say, hey, there's no reason to believe that this person's stealing. He's a value, valued member of the fire department. So, you know, this is what I would do. There's no reason. For, but if he was, you know, and then right. so you answer instead of, oh, I would turn that sucker in. Yeah, right. You know, they're like, OK, <laughs> off, you know. Uh, so I did. I, I felt I did really well. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it worked. I got hired, and, uh, you know, I wanted to go to Tacoma Park from before I got hired. I knew somebody who had worked there, and uh, uh, I wanted to go there because I knew they went to fire. I knew they were in the border with PG, and uh, lo and behold, good things happened, and I ended up at Station 2 and was there for five years before awesome. I left Before I left to uh, go to, uh, to get checked out from the tower. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So how, so how many years have you been on now in Montgomery County? Uh, I'm working on my 11th year right now. Wow. Yep. And over the course of 11 years, I mean, you've seen your fair share of everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Montgomery County, I'm not overly familiar with the area, I'll be honest. So is it um, suburban? It's everything. It's I everything. mean, we have downtown yeah. Silver Spring is huge. Uh, there's uh, over a million people there, uh, 500 square miles, uh, industrial, rural. I mean, we have farmlands look like this, you know, driving out okay. here. Uh, it's pretty much everything. Like you know, our engine runs three thousand calls a year, roughly. 
Uh, but there's engines that run less than a thousand. Okay. You know, there's tankers too. I, I thought that was one of the weird things. Is that yeah? There's such a split of apparatus there. That yep. Tankers. So tankers. We were talking about talking about tankers yep. earlier. I got bombarded with a question yep. on that one earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this is so. Anyway, so let's let's move into it. So your career. I mean, we're sitting here behind a tower ladder. Yep. With a in, a in your man cave with red carpeting and every piece of <laughs> memorabilia yep. you could possibly imagine. I mean, yep. your love for this industry runs deep, man. Oh yeah. And so yep. it's one thing to be a fireman, right? And one thing to love the job, but like you're really into it. So let's talk about that. How does where did this passion, this drive um, of your love of, of all of it come from? Uh, do you I know. Uh, I don't really know, but I do know that uh, being trying to have a good moral compass your whole life uh, really plays into it. You know, I know there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on in the fire departments and, and even in my department, but there's also a lot of good. So, uh, you know, when you think about it, I know it goes to the age old thing, you go back about, you know, we can go into somebody's house, break all their shit and you come out and they thank you. And, and that's kind of cliche, but the reality is, especially now people are calling for things that I really don't consider emergency, but they do. And that's hard to keep that in mind because it may be something minute to us. And we, I talked with him earlier about something that we did recently for somebody that was just a, the smallest little thing, but <coughs> it was the world for that person, you know? And, and that's a, just doing the right thing. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love crawling down a, fire, or a hallway with fire sure. over my head and Absolutely. you know my ears stinging, and that, that's, that's really the, the ultimate love of it. But uh, there's a lot of other stuff that goes with that. And... Uh, you know, seeing seeing some of the stuff that goes on, both good and bad. I mean, that, it's that's why I have this room and these speakers, so I can come up here and analyze it all. You know, you could go pretty crazy uh, being this passionate about something that that's not always all good. You know, I I think that's a that's a fantastic point. I mean, so often we put you know the institution on a pedestal, and then it lets us down. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I don't think we talk about that that right. much in this business. I don't think we talk about. You know, we have these expectations of, of what we expect and how our day is going to go, and, and we can always make a difference and always make a save or always do this or always or always get along with everybody in a firehouse or whatever right. the case, right? Yep. And then all of a sudden we come off of a day that's complete letdown. Right. Yep. And it's how do we cope with that? How do we pick ourselves back up and how do we jump back in with both feet on the next tour? And, you know. Absolutely. And sometimes it's not just the people. Sometimes it's the department. It's yeah. the department decisions. You know, it's like it's hard to remember that there's a lot more that goes into the decisions for the department than just what we see as the firemen. You know, yeah. there's legal, there's this, there's that. You know, they're, they're, they're juggling, and I like to believe that they're trying to do the best for us that are the front line. But, you know. It, I think that's a really good outlook to have as well because there's right. a lot of people who take what comes down the pipe and they think it's very personal to them all of a sudden. Right. And like there is somebody out there, as the puppet master, but like they're trying to shift things into a good Absolutely. spot for us. Yep. yep. But I think, you know, we, we hit on that before too, and we talk about guys taking it too personal. You know, we were talking about, we had an instance before, earlier today, <clears throat> when we were sitting around talking over lunch, and we talked about a little bit different now of where the captain used to be able to smack you upside the head and tell you to do right. it again. You did it wrong. Right. You effed up. You did it wrong, go do it right. Learn how to do it right. And not to turn around and say, like, oh, my captain said that I didn't do it right, but I tried my best. And, like, we have to accept responsibility. And too often we're not accepting and, assume, and accepting our own responsibility for our own actions. Yep. And we love to point the finger and put it on others. And I think that's, a, I think that's an important yep. part 
to say, though, is that, you know, we have to assume responsibility for our actions. Firefighting is, you know, we're, we're alpha males. Like, we have to perform. And we, you know, we teach these kids that we search in pairs. In reality, we do not. We teach right. it We teach right. at the fire academy. We throw ladders in pairs. In reality, we do not. So we need to understand that everything that's being instilled into those new guys, and even the guys with some time on the job, if you're not doing the job correctly, it needs to be corrected, and you need to accept responsibility that it's not being done correctly. Right. Right. And so that we do it correctly the next go-around. You know, and I, I think that's I think that's missing, and I, I think that's a good point just to, to bring up there. But yeah. um, so anyway. what I try to do is I try to make uh, <coughs> I, I try to bring positivity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I try to try to uh, not be negative. It's hard. I mean, I, it, you know, especially if you're passionate, it's really hard. You know, when when uh, when things are not going the way you think they should be going, it's hard to stay positive and, and be a good influence on your shift and on your department when uh you know it seems like all the uh, all it. the cards are stacked against you you I know get but um you know i just keep doing good stuff you know do you, do you think that that positive i mean you all our interactions i mean i've known you for months now you've you've done a bunch of shirts for us and you and i talk regularly yeah. now yeah. right yep. and all my interactions with you have really been nothing but on upbeat positive hey brother whatever you need yep i mean do you think that that has something to do also with what you dealt with years ago with your scare and with your health? Absolutely, without question. Yeah. I mean, hands down, there's no question. When I got cancer, man, I, for about 15 minutes, I was like, man, this, uh, this, this is, this sucks. This is the worst thing in the world. Uh, hindsight, looking back, as soon as I was done with it, I look, I looked my wife square in the eyes. This best fucking thing that ever happened to me in my life. This is the single best thing. I wish every one of my friends could experience like when you get when the doctor wow. says you need to get your things in order wow right yeah like there's no you, you can lie to yourself you right. can lie on yep. facebook you can lie to your friends but deep down inside you know the truth right when the doctor's sitting across from the table and she has to explain that you need to get a will because in six months if this chemo and this stuff doesn't work you're done, you're done. like there's no you can't lie to yourself at that point you're yeah. it's all it's right, right there on the table and i'll tell you what there, I know personally a lot of people that would uh, would hopefully get a positive turn out of life if they were in that situation. Like I said, when it happened for 15 minutes, woe is me, this sucks, I feel this really, oh my God. But then from then it was almost like I turned my baseball hat around backwards and like I got, with wanting to get the job and getting out of the turnpike and stuff like that, it was like, hell yeah, I'm man. Not like, here. I'm not done. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm too good for this. And I, you know, everybody said about how uh, how much of an update I'd send out emails with updates and stuff like that. It was a little bit before Facebook, uh, and uh, everyone's like, "How can you be so upbeat about it? How can you be joking about it? You know, it's like, how can you not? Choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you have two choices. Right. You know, I can cry, and I'm not taking anything. Look, it's a personal <coughs> thing for a lot of people. Everybody has to deal with their own way. If it, people don't <coughs> want other people to know, and they just want to lay and, and deal with it. That's great for them if that's how they have to deal with it. That's not how I wanted to deal with it. My thing was, I'm going to baseball games. I'm still doing this. I'm doing that. I went on seven vacations that year, just in case. You know what I mean? Like, I went on hunting trips. Uh, I mean, I just did all... We went to the went to Cabo twice. I mean, I was like, you know what? Good for you. I don't, if I'm not going to need savings, I'm going to make sure I don't have any. You know, yeah. I can rebuild it if I have to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for the person that wants to deal with it, it's a, it's a very personal thing. Everybody deals with it their own way. For me personally, it was hands down the best thing, single thing shy of my wife that ever happened to me. 
I think that's incredible. I mean, I really do. And I think what I think your spirit and your demeanor. I've I've watched you today interact with all the different guys and and all the people you've introduced us to today. And I mean, you want to talk about like a network of people that boost each other up. I mean, this is like fantastic. And you yeah. you I think are a big key of that puzzle in or you know yeah. part of that puzzle. And I I just think it's incredible. And um, thanks. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, I don't know How what else there is to say. But. Free now? Uh, you know, this we were talking. I was watching Jack's uh, interview. Yeah, that dude's like. Now, May 13th, 1993. Oh, know, right? No, no, no. It was the 14th. I was behind a blue Plymouth on the Cross Bronx. The license plate number was BR549. Yeah. I don't remember. I know why I remember that. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, like, what year did I get diagnosed? I don't know. I know I was 37. I want to say it was 2005, 2003, something like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so. It's fantastic. And now you're doing what you love. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've always and, done what I love, but yes. Yeah, no, no, right, absolutely. I love, right? And I think one of the things that I like. Especially about you, Dan, is that you give back to what you love. Yeah. yeah. And there's a hundred different ways, but I know for me, the one, like I remember uh, the, the fire happening in Back Bay in mm -hmm. Boston and the two guys buying it out there and, and being like, holy crap, this is, yeah. this is horrible. And then, you know, it seemed like not very long after, yeah. like there was like, a, like an alert that went out and like, I don't know which thing I saw first, but I was just like, all right, Dan's mobilizing an army, and this is no joke. Yeah, we did pretty good with that. That was So we went up to uh, a buddy of ours, uh, everybody in the room, I think, knows uh, Dan McCauley from Boston, and he invited me up for to St. Paddy's Day. So we were up there and went to the parade, went out with a bunch of his guys from his firehouse, went downtown, drank with a bunch of guys from uh, 33, 15. I mean, there's just guys everywhere, and uh, uh, had a great time. And... As soon as we got home, I literally, I literally was at uh, at work and uh, jumped on Facebook and saw, you know, I just finished up the rig check and I jumped on Facebook real quick to see what's going on and they were talking about this fire in Boston. So I pulled up the live feed and I listened to the whole thing, man. And I was just sick to my stomach, you know. Yeah. It's like it's like we all get and uh, you know, it's really a bad thing that the live feed is out. There's no need for it. Uh, I get it, I understand it, but it's, you know, how would you like if my wife was listening to that, you yep. know, and that was me, and, and that was, that really, really hurt me bad, uh, having just been up there with those guys and everything, and uh, so we went back up for the, uh, for the funerals, and uh, we were at the, uh, sorry guys, no, we were at the uh, Union Hall after the funerals, and they were selling t-shirts out of the back of the car for 20 bucks a piece, and it, I mean, great. I mean, these they sold so many. I mean, it was ridiculous. But I looked at the design, and I was like, man, I'd love to take, you know, like five cases back and try to sell them. But I was like, for my business, I knew. It's like, you're not I'm not. I can't sell this design in, in Maryland. So uh, I decided, you know what? I called up my artist. I said, listen. I said, I drew something out, called him up. I said, dude, I want, I want a fucking home run here. Like, this one needs to matter. So, okay, no problem. A couple days later, he sends me a proof. We tweak it up a little bit. We end up, this is it right here. And uh, so we started selling them. And I never in a million years thought that we would sell as many as we did. And we ended up, uh, I mean, it was like, it was a full-time job, dude. I would come home. Well, it got, like everything, gets yeah. blown out. You know, it's <laughs> like I was just going to be for the county, for Montgomery County. We did it through the union website. So because they had this website set up already, and we put them on there, and then a uh, buddy of mine, Rob Dorman from uh, Newburgh, Newburgh, New York, 
uh, said, you know what, we can reach out to the FDNY. So we uh, got it through, I think, the whole third division, all the firehouses. I remember seeing that photo of your car, or your truck, just oh, yeah. stacked with boxes. You're like, I'm off New York City with shirts. Yeah, like, it, was, Shit. It, it was crazy. We did the expo, and I didn't know how many shirts to make for expo. We made a really nice, we get a, a booth every year for our shirt right. business. Just hand out cards mostly, or if, if somebody else, like say you guys wanted it, you know, if we were not doing anything, yeah, you can have it. So we, uh, yeah, I mean, it just took off, and uh, we had a booth, and I had <coughs> 600 shirts that I was mailing to or shipping up to Boston. And then we had 600 shirts that we were going to take to Expo. And Expo is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And by, I want to say by 2 o'clock on Friday, yeah. we were almost out of the 600 that we had for the whole weekend. Oh, my God. So I called to the shop, and I said, did UPS pick up the 600 for Boston yet? And he said, no. I said, don't ship them. Bring them over to Expo. Because I knew we could make them on right. Monday and ship them, and they'd right. be a day later. So uh, we came back, and we sold all. 600 uh, shirts a second time. I think the Sunday, Sunday morning, I had like three youth mediums left. And that was it. And I, I remember, because I went there on Friday with my department to look at fire engines, and I just remember like seeing Dan sweating, <laughs> smiling, and it was just constant, like, yeah. people were just passing, and it was yeah. a back and forth. So, and the neat thing about that for me was, uh, and again, I had no idea the undertaking that it was going to be. I did not foresee that. It was very... Short sighted on my part, thank God for my wife and their top. I mean, I literally would go down to my basement, I had stacks of t shirts, you know, three or four feet tall on tables, and it was like just you know, order after order. And then I'd load everything up in the truck and go to the post office, and then for the bigger orders, go up to the shop and, and ship it all out. And you know, the other thing is with doing something like that, you know, everybody's uh, suspicious, you know, not everybody, but there's always the people that are course, suspicious, yeah. and so I was very meticulous about. You know, two people counted the money. I mean, I kept the ledger. Oh, I had to buy a pack of Sharpies, you know, right. write that down. And ultimately, we ended up giving them $45,929.88 from just selling T-shirts. That's it incredible. Was, it was yeah. nuts. I mean, it was it was nuts. Uh, again, such a tragedy. I've made so many great friends up in Boston. Uh, still, we go up every year. My wife and I go up for the uh, Ed Walsh Foundation uh, fundraiser. It's coming up in March. Uh, be good, good thing for you guys to go bring yeah. your wallets and you know we always donate a bunch of stuff and uh, it's you know it's just one of those things I I mean I, ju I just did it because I had the uh, means to do it yeah. I wanted to do it right. and uh, you know you know you see the family standing there at the funerals and you're like man it just rips your heart out at least I, it does yeah. mine see I the think... guys you know uh, the family was bad enough but seeing the guys you know everybody's second guessing themselves sure. and, you know there's nothing that could have been done in that case, but you know you don't know that at the time, and you see the guys mentally beating themselves yeah. up, and you yeah. feel bad, and and uh, you know fortunately I just had to had a way to to kind of help them out, and and we did. I think um, I think part of that story too. You and I've we've talked about this yeah. story, and um, I think the other thing too is though is that you know your compassion and desire to help um, really speaks volumes for who you are, and, and your wife, and your family, and your business. Um, and so on, but you've also made a special connection with the families. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think you know, yeah. I I know you know you shared a story with me that I know left a major impact on you. And Unbelievable, your and that's what we were talking and, about with just you know you do this little thing, right? Just this little thing, and you never know how big of an impact uh, it yeah. has, and that's yeah. uh, you know that's incredible. I mean, you're talking, it really is. You're talking about you know having an opportunity to 
you know, a small gesture or something small, and you never know. And that's that's the thing. Like, you never know. All the, So often we think we have to do something grand or on a big scale, and typically it's the smaller things or the little things that really make such a big difference. And that's the, you know, life is, is a fun thing, too, because I think when I was young at Progress, you know, didn't have a care in the world, really didn't know what I was doing, but I was all in, you know what I mean? Yeah. And as you go through your 30s and into your 40s, once you hit your 50s, you're like, holy shit, you know, maybe I'm not as fast as I am, but maybe I don't have to be that fast. You know what I mean? Because now you have technique and, and uh, what, you know, going a little bit back to what you were yeah. talking about, it's like when you're able to do something like if you, and it took me 52 years to figure this shit out, but <laughs> if you always do the right thing and you're honest with yourself, yep. you're never going to go wrong. You win. I mean, you really won't. And that's, that's this, that's how I just try to. You know, just try to operate, and you know, yeah, there's haters, and there's, you know, I'm sure, you know, for every three or four things people have that nice save, they're sure there's just as many negative. Without but, a doubt, without a but doubt. But that's once you, as you get older, then you, you know, oh, don't worry about the naysayers. Well, you know, that's hard, but right. when you just keep doing the right thing and chipping away, and then like you're, you know, that 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 thing that happened that yeah. you know doesn't need to come out, but to right. be able to do that, and then to be able to do it for a child, mm-hmm. you know, that's so, the. Yeah, you know that's the that's the thing. It's like, just keep doing the right thing. Yeah, it's not that hard. It yeah, is, we it, make it harder than it than it needs to be. be. Yeah, I agree, and, and I, that's you know I I try to I try to live by that with National Fire Radio. I'm adamant about it. Just yeah. do the right thing. When you do the right thing, you will win. And when you say, you know what, I screwed up. It's my fault. Like I had oh, a hard time when I was young. Right. I couldn't do that. <clears throat> I I get but it now. I get now it. my wife tells me all that all the time. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where are we going to go? We're 45 minutes in. We're going to do yeah. another half hour or so if you're okay, okay with that. Yeah, whatever. Um, you want to talk about some jobs? You want to talk about your collecting? You want to talk about... I mean, you've told us so many stories today that just like <laughs> my... Like outside in your garage, I'm looking at all the signboards. Oh, yeah. Well, we used to have a business where we scrap fire trucks. I buy seven at a time. And I'm like, what? Why don't we, um, why don't we talk about like progress for a little bit? Progress, rather? Yep. Because I think that... If you're comfortable talking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Because... Okay. We usually do this thing where we're like, hey, what's off limits? And you're like, hey, don't talk about this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool. And we probably hit everything on it. Right. Not, yeah, no, I, right. Think what's, I think what's super unique, too, and even, I mean, I'm New Jersey, three hours away. Living programs really don't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think out here, living programs have been so prevalent for decades. Right. I mean, like, forever. Yep. Our living started in uh, March of 66. Yeah. Hmm. That's bizarre to me. Right, like well, I mean, I'm trying to talk about it now, and they're like, "What do we need that for?" I'm like, "You yeah, know, yeah. like it's just such a foreign concept yeah. to us." But yeah. but down here, but what do you, I mean? Obviously, that you look at them. I mean, all you guys come from a living setting. Yep. I mean, that really fuels a lot of it. You know, we we're off camera. We were just talking about the living programs. Right. And you know, I I don't even think we said where we are. You're a fireman in Maryland. Yep. We're in, County. Pens- we're yep. in Pennsylvania. Yep. Undisclosed so. location in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Undisclosed. Yeah. Outside well, of Harrisburg. I saved it on my phone. Okay. I love it. Uh, I love it. But yep. I, I think um you know we were talking about uh, in Pennsylvania in particular, along with Maryland and so on, live in pro live in programs are really Oh yeah, an incredible staple in the fire service. Yeah, they have been, and I, it's it's interesting now. Uh, obviously, the good places, the places that have a solid reputation, uh, and you don't have to go far to know who those right. those places are. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's PG County or Harrisburg or you know anywhere else. Right. If someone a place has a good live-in program, 
you've seen people they're the good people that have come out of it uh, that's you know where it is and uh, yeah I mean it was it, for me especially you know I lived in a little I lived in an apartment you know outside of Hershey you know we're going on I think at the time like 250 calls a year and I'm listening to the scanner and it's like there goes progress with their truck into the city time you know it's like another fire in the city you know another fire in the city it's like, damn, man, like that's I want to that I want to do that, you know. Yeah, right. And you know, I I don't have any means to move up to Harrisburg and get an apartment and stuff like that. And then it's like, wow, you know, I was talking about going to school. Here, these guys are, you know, you got this, you got this, you got. I'm, I'm right there. It's like I can't miss. So, that's uh, and fortunately for me, I mean, man, when I moved in, there were some really really solid dudes there. There was a so, a group of guys going out, you know, that had. I, we're not really good at graduating people. At least we yeah, weren't yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we were really good at graduating good firemen. And uh, you know, Mike Madison mm -hmm. was chief of 33. He was a well, he wasn't a living technically. He was going to college in uh, Penn State Middletown, and he was there when uh, when I was there. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I mean, just like the name, the same names kept popping <coughs> out. And uh, it really, it was, it was for me, it was a game changer. I mean, uh, if I would have stayed in in uh, Union Deposit, I don't know how much more exposure I would have gotten. Uh, yeah. You know, seeing those guys, like, I had never been told to get a tool when you got off the rig. I never knew about having an assignment before you get off the rig. I mean, again, we're talking the mid-'80s, uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden here here comes, you know, truck 32 with six dudes. Everyone's got a hook. Everyone's got a, you know, somebody has a saw. Like, holy shit, these dudes are they're going to battle. They got right? it together, yeah. Right, and, it's like, in, in two minutes, I've been on this fire for, you know, how long, and these guys roll up, and everybody's working. You know, the truck's in service. They're yep. hooking up, flowing water. I'm like... You know, wow! Like, how do I get involved in this? And then, you know, a friend of a friend, yeah, okay, we move in, and uh, I signed a live-in contract, and from there on out, you know, it was like, I didn't really know about training. You know, training wasn't as such a big deal back then. And it's like, oh yeah, we train all the time. You know, we're going here to burn, we're burning this house. You know, our chief officers were always looking. You know, Harrisburg was kind of building out at the time. It's like, I don't even know how many houses we burned down. You know, like I, I mean, that's how I learned. I mean, it's like. Okay, go cut the roof. Like we we've only cut on plywood. Yep, this is it. For, go, you know, sit, you go cut right. the roof. We, glue, we nail it back together. We do it again and we do it again. And we burn the whole place down. Uh, how we never burnt somebody up, I don't know. But I mean, some of the best training that you could get, you know, when you're shitting your pants, when you know you're green, you're like, oh my god, no. Well, after you do that four or five times, you're like, wow, this really can work. Right. You know, you just gotta count on everybody doing their job. And th there is part of the problem today is you put one person in that group of people that have to do their job and you got a problem, yep. you know, and that's where I think we need to work better. The, the, the good dudes that are in the fire department, we need to make sure that you, you bring those people as much work as it takes. You got to get them up to uh, up to speed. Yeah, that that living culture just for, you know, we hit markets across the country. So there's a lot of kids and you know older guys that just they're not even familiar with the, the concept and I'm. Me personally, I didn't know Livens was a was yeah. an option. I mean, the internet was just coming online when I was graduating high school. I went off to college. I had no idea that there were places like Pennsylvania and Maryland and Delaware where there were live-in programs where I could go live in a firehouse, run five thousand calls a year, and also attend you know college. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was and, like and get help doing it. Right, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And, and for me, like I'm like man. And then the internet came on board, and like you know everybody remembers like. Kentland was the big first name right. that like hit the internet and was yep. like, these guys go to 7,000 runs a year. They're volunteer. Like, how the hell does that work, right? right? 
And then you start to dissect it, and you see this culture that emerges. Mm -hmm. And I think for you being a live-in, and, and uh, Don, and, and you know, a bunch of other guys, I mean, it's just it's hearing the stories that are coming out of there. That really was a culture that fueled, I think, your passion yeah. for it, yep. right? I mean, you, you, you're a small-town volunteer. You see an opportunity. You want to better yourself and better your firefighting knowledge and skills. You go to a bunking department, a living department, and then you just you just like you just like graduate. But it's also like, like people that are really gung ho, and they're all thinking the same well, way too, right. which helps. You. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, surround yourself well, with people well, you want to be with. And right. There's another thing I want to ask you about because you are in, in, in progress. Uh, like I don't want to say like a long time ago because that's not correct, but <laughs> no, it is. I'll, you know, it is a, a little a while back. Is a, I think is a good way. Um, I know one thing that, like, from being in Hyattsville down in PG County, it, and and I'm sure Matt can kind of like chime in from the back here, uh, being from Kentland. But like, we've had guys come down to the firehouse, and they see these young kids who have tremendous responsibility, responsibility they would never put on their members, mm -hmm. but like they do. Was that the same situation for you back then, in in, in progress, where they were taking young people in? They were like, hey, like. Buck up, son. You're you're in charge. Like you you can't. Yeah, I mean we and that uh, mentorship and everything else. Yeah, we. I mean it it was. I don't want to say it was the Wild West, but I mean you have ten guys, and only like one rig might be going out with four seats. You know what I mean? So, you yeah, had to, you had to be quick, and yeah. we all wanted to go to a fire. So, yeah. uh, you know, at the time when when I first started there, our our aerial scope was uh, open in the back. So, like, when we would have a 30-mile run, a 20-mile run up to Dolphin or up into, I mean, in the middle of winter, you're hugging the dog box and yeah, stuff like that. Right. You're like, man, I bumped three people out of, you know, out of way to get to this seat, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, no, yeah, I mean, we did. We had a lot of responsibility. Uh, it was kind of, we were, when I was there, we were going through a change. Like, they didn't want any of the live-ins to drive. And then they realized, hey, wait a minute, having a driver in quarters is as good as having 10 guys in quarters. Right. So, uh, you know, they put together. And the same thing, you know, like, the guy, I, I I don't, I don't want to overstate it, but they really, at the time when I was there and what I see now, it seems like they have a really solid program. I know, you know, like I got, when I got there, my probie book was like a three ring binder in the eighties, right. you know, that's standard now, but it wasn't then. No, right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like the shit that I had to do to get checked off on the truck was, in my opinion, at the time, I don't want to say ridiculous. I understand it now. At the time I was like. I have to start this saw a hundred times. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's right. checkoffs and stuff like that. Right. Ultimately looking back on it, like I told you about throwing the ladders. Yep. It's like when you, when the person will take the time to make sure that you throw a ladder the correct way every time. And you have to do that say 20 times. If any, if the, on the 20th time you screw up, he makes you go back to the truck and start all over again. You know, yeah, and like we would be on the on the rig on the way back, and like I said, Harrisburg was building at the time, so we would be on the way back from training, and he'd stop and he'd say, "That place is on fire, ladder it," and it's like you got to start pulling ladders, and you know, it's like, you know, we just got done spending four or five hours throwing ladders, you know, and now you're like in full gear throwing ladders throwing again, ladders yeah. again, yeah. But uh, the but there's, there's something to be said for that, right? Like a road I mean, to mastery, really, right? Without a doubt, where this is yeah. a craft, so yeah. I, I'll I'll put it this way: I threw a hell of a lot more ladders at Progress than I did at my training academy to get hired as a career firefighter. Yeah, I believe it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I believe it. Yep. I absolutely believe it. I mean, I look at you know, put it this way, right? Uh, free throws in basketball, Larry Bird. You know, five thousand shots a day, right? To better his craft. I yeah. mean, that's that's how it works. Yep. 
Like, if you want to be good and excel, you got to put the time in. Right. You got to hustle. I think what you were hitting on too, Rob, just before, and I just want to kind of go back to it. When in a live-in type program, you know, you might have a guy that's 18 and you might have a guy that's 25. Right. Right. And I think what's fun, Rob tells this story every once in a while, and I, I, I love it because it puts it in perspective where, you know, an outsider looking at that goes like, well, you know, why is the young kid riding the riding the OV seat? Right. Shouldn't the older guy be in the OV seat? We're yeah. like, we're all created equal here. Yep. Like, you're expected to be able to do the job and do the job correctly. Right. So it doesn't matter how old or how many years you have in, it's, we're there to do the same job. Right. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, when I was done there, uh, or right before I moved out, I was a lieutenant and uh, on the truck. And it was really nice for me because that's what I fell in love with because right. there was more to learn, more to do. Seemed to me like the engine, as much fun as it was, there was there was more opportunities uh, and more things to master and more different ways yeah. to try different things, you know, like forcible sure. entry and, you know, just so much more going on with the truck. That's kind of how I gravitated towards it. Uh, but I like to think that I was, I was good at it then uh, and now. But um, that's the other thing. You need to figure out how much do you want to do, you right. know what I mean, like, and just stay on it. And then... It's funny because we did a thing a couple of years ago in Montgomery County. Uh, J- Jason Blake um, implemented this thing where we were doing some of the truck stuff that we, you know, I mean, you go through the academy, and if you don't train in a, a company setting, there's, we really don't offer anything else. So we did this in-service training. We did Van Ander Isolate Search. We did uh, cutting garage doors. We did cutting roofs, stuff like that. And there was so much great... Uh, uh, <coughs> feedback from it you know right. it's like guys are like man i hadn't you know really done any of this stuff i don't normally ride a truck i hadn't done any of this stuff for for years and you know i was talking with him afterwards and i was like you know thank you so much for for letting me help you know in the teaching of this but it's amazing something that is so i don't want to say i mean i i feel comfortable to start a saw climb a ladder restart it cut it do it you know, like i feel confident to do that wherever i would be asked to do it at work and i had no idea that some of our workforce did not have that same yeah. confidence yeah. And, I, and i owe that to, to progress and the live-in program yeah. and the people that were there at the time and it took the time to train me and the other kids and because there's now yeah. there's a lot of kids that are career that were there when i was there and mm-hmm. later that are are you know officers and even career people in, in other departments and uh it's, I understand it with the career. You know, it's like, you know, guys get hired, they have families, they got kids, you know, there's t-ball, there's soccer, there's all this stuff. So it's hard to go to these, you know, great classes that are going on. Uh, but the, the, um, the, the things you learn, the little tricks that these guys are willing to teach you, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's priceless, you know. Save seconds here and there. And yeah, really it's like, it's, it's, I forget who said it, but like you save a couple seconds on every process, all of a sudden you've saved a minute, you know, and it's, it's yeah. 100% true. And I think for, for myself, I've been an outsider looking in, going into Hyattsville, like that was one thing that like I couldn't believe that I was taught away. It wasn't the wrong way. Right. But then I remember like the when I... This guy Matt Leonard came into the to the station and he said, "All right, trucks going out to the uh, to Miffrey for a class. You're getting on it and you're going to throw ladders the whole time." And I'm like, "All right." And I, I'm like, "When am I going?" And it was Chris Evans and and Chester, uh, Mr. Waller there. He's uh, um, but they they went and showed me how to throw that that ladder right by myself. Yep. And they're like, "How do you throw a ladder?" And I'm like, "Well, two people." And they're like, "Nope, you're going to do it this way." And just right. and I pitched ladders the whole night. I think. Uh, 
I can't remember the cranky guy that's always at Mifri down there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Tim Delaney, is that yeah, it? I think? Delaney, yeah, Delaney. Delaney is yeah. like, what you're doing? And yeah. I'm like, I'm learning how to throw ladders. He's like, where are you from? I'm like, Poughkeepsie, New York. What do you do up there? I'm a career fireman. He's like, huh. And he just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah. And it, it's yeah, funny, it's... too, because like when I got to Tacoma <coughs> Park, like once I got hired, you know, I, I made it no secret that I wanted to go to Tacoma Park to all the instructors. And I tried to be as good as I could be, you know, for a 40-year-old guy in a career academy. Is that the place to be? Uh, it was at the time. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, I uh, okay. yeah, I mean, it was. And that's why I said, you know, yeah. I knew a fireman that um, I also knew, and, and uh, he was from Tacoma Park, and, and they went to as much fire as anybody in Montgomery County. Um, and I and, and it ended up getting there, and I was like, man, I cannot believe that, you know, all this hard work has gotten me to where I want to be, and now I can't screw up. Yeah. You know, it's like it's game time. now, you know, yeah, it's, it's game big time. leagues, man. Yeah. yeah, right. When I met Dan and we were in this instructor one class, I was like, oh, he's one of these guys from Montgomery County because some of the guys would make jokes about going to MoCo for different things. Right. And, you know, they're just really just being young kids. But I remember, like, going to a box after I got to the class and I had gone to Hyattsville and he had actually gone into work. And I'm coming up the stairs and right behind me is him. He's got a high-rise face. like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was... He was in it to win it. No, that's fantastic. But, I mean, the culture like that. I mean, that's, you know, to just get back on mm-hmm. where we were, the living culture. Yeah. You know, I, I think we get so many messages from people that watch and listen to our stuff who are in a small town or they're in a department that they just feel like they can't get anywhere with, you know. And that seems to be real common across the board. The all-star companies, these A companies that, like, really promote and, and create incredible firemen, sadly is not the norm anymore right and like i said when we first started talking about this when i was in lawn you know it took that one guy who took time with me when i was little little dude you know and was able to uh uh like kind of perpetuate and kind of kind of get the the path started uh you know for somebody who is in a small town you really you have the i don't want to say the world by the balls but there is a bunch of different like you can go pretty much anywhere you want to go and if you're willing to work, like none of these places that I know of, and I know of a lot of the living places, expect you to know everything when you get there. Right, you know, yeah. the best thing to do is get there and say, hey, teach me, teach me what teach you me want your, me. Yeah. And, and I am sorry, it's going to take you a while, but I will do my best. And at the end, if my best isn't good enough, I'll roll out. But if you, if you show honest effort, you know, and we've had some issues with some probies that have gone through some of my stations uh, at the career level, just show me effort. Right. Like, I'll teach you the same thing every shift. I'll spend all day on on the color red if you want me to. If you show me you're trying to learn what the color red is, right. I, yeah. it is my job to teach you to make sure you understand. But the second that I see that you don't give a shit, right. then I don't give a shit. I get it. Mm-hmm. I right. get that. I get that. And I think, you know, it's like anything. Anything in life, anything worth anything in life, you have to work for. Yeah. But anybody who wants to go, I mean, if, if someone's listening, it's like, man, you know, we run two or 300 calls a year. I'm a small department, whatever. You know, get a PA Fireman magazine and look at all the advertisements for livings. Get on. Why don't you guys talk about what you need to get on those as a kid volunteer? Because that's something that we really haven't talked well, you about. You just call. Yeah. yeah I want to meet, I want meet I, a few I, things. I think Tucker's bringing up a good point. Like, there's a... Uh, because he's got an idea in his head of what is needed. Yeah. And there really isn't Are there a any whole lot. I think, I think there's, or? I mean, each station would have their own, you know, I'm sure Kentland has some stuff. I know Progress has some stuff. You know, I know when I went through, you had to be enrolled in Hack. By the time we were done, by the time I was done there, uh, 
I we didn't that was no longer a requirement you know because what happened was so one of the township residents who was a member was going through a divorce and he ended up living there so it was like oh wait a minute so now you know now you have a, well you can't really say these guys have to because they don't live in the township and now this guy you know is right. staying there and ultimately it benefits the fire company I would say each yeah. each department you would have to look into but I mean you the last PA fireman that I looked at, which was last year during uh, Expo, I'm like, man, it's like Hamden Township, Progress, I saw Lower Allen. They have booths know. where they advertise yeah. these yeah. You know, shows like, for you know, Even Montgomery County, Burtonsville, Hyattsville, uh, Berwyn Heights. I mean, you'd say, I don't like to, I want to learn ladders and rescue. Berwyn Heights. Yeah, has they, live in they don't have a single know who's in that house. Yeah, yeah. no who's nation. Truck and Rescue Company. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I they think, still have two tillers or just one? I know for a while they had two, but I don't know. One. But I, I, I would tell you this: like there is every opportunity in the world to better your position, but it takes initiative and desire. And what yeah. drives me nuts are the guys that sit there and bitch and moan that they want bigger and better, but they don't do anything to get to it. Right. Yeah. It's like guys that want to get hired. If you want to get hired on the job, you do it right. You do it right. Dance story. He did it right. Place. He wanted. He applied. He worked his ass off. He even studied for the oral interview. I actually, I actually, I didn't tell this in part of the story, but my wife laughed at me. <laughs> I told her, I said, I'm, I'm going to put 40 hours into studying for the test. She goes, What do you mean? I said, Well, I have all this stuff that I got from the captain at the recruiter. And I have all these books and stuff like that, and I studied. I got up at six o'clock in the morning, took a shower, sat down, uh, took a half an hour for lunch, and every day for a week, that's all I did was study. And one of the things I had to laugh was the uh, 50 most common misspelled words. And I, I would have gotten them wrong. It was three that I got right. And, you know, just like little tricks on studying on how to take a test, you know, like draw a line, the questions you absolutely don't know, skip over. But you those. have to understand that what you're talking about is the exception. Well, it is. It's not the rule. It is. But, again, it comes into how serious am I going to take it. You know, yeah, like, I agree. Like, so am I going to say, oh, I want to get the job, but I don't do anything? Like I, I, Montgomery County, classic example. You go in there, sit down, big auditorium. On the card, bring this card. Do not wear a baseball hat. Do not bring a purse. Yep. Right right there on the card. It says it. Bring this card. It's amazing. It's am bring this card. I, yeah. No baseball hats, no purses. Right? So I'm standing there. We're sitting there. I'm holding my card. I'm like, okay, I don't have a baseball hat on. Always have a baseball hat on. I don't have my purse today. Right? And I have the card. I'm good. So they, they stand up and they say, okay, you know, it's 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock. How many people have purses and baseball hats? And, you know, not half, but, you know, a handful, 100, handful. 100 people yep. put their hands up. Okay, take all that stuff out to the car. Now, if I was running this shit, yeah, as soon as that door closed, I would have locked it. And then when they yeah. came back, it would be like, follow directions. Like, I agree. you obviously don't want it. So I agree. If you, if you want the job, in my opinion, make getting the job a job absolutely right? and then pretend you're doing it for yourself say i am going to do the absolute best i can do to get this and if i don't get hired i'm going to go and i'm going to ask them why i didn't get hired and i'm going to find out what i have to change yeah, if i go i'm going to go and say why didn't i interview well what didn't i do right i'm going to i remembered everybody's name from my interview panel because i was going to if i don't get hired i'm going to go back to these people and i'm going to ask them why? How mm -hmm. could I improve my score? And if you go into it with that, you know, mentality, there are there are a lot of jobs out there right now. Yeah. Uh, and it is still the greatest job in the world. It's not what it once was, but it's still what you make it. You know. It's still great. It, it is. You know what? It if is. you want it, really it go get it. Right. 
It's not going to be handed to you. And I think yep. that's part of the issue, right? I think a lot of times, everything nowadays, I mean, I look at my kids and I look at the stuff I do for them. And I'm like, man, my father wouldn't do that for me. Right. You know, and I, I worry that I'm entitling my kids because it's just, it's it's who we are. It's who we've become. And, and I'm not an easygoing dad. Like, I, right. you know, I'm, I'm pretty stern with my kids. But there's things I do that I'm like, you know, man, am I being too lenient? You know, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm all right. But the thing is this, you have to instill those morals, ethics, and desires into your children, Absolutely. and you hope that they bring them up the line. What what the kids in the firehouse have to learn is that once you get to the firehouse, whether you're 16 or 18, you're treated as a man. Yeah. And you're expected to be one. Right. And so you don't get to play that other card that it's like, well, somebody's going to do it for me, or it's going to get done because I didn't do it, somebody else would do it. We have to get rid of all that, and I think that's where some of the it comes from. It goes from dishes in the sink, yeah, to cleaning up. We were talking mess. about that earlier. We we're talking you know, about it's it's it. You know, it, it kind of goes like you know, pick up after yourself. Well, yeah, but you know what? Pick up after other people yeah, as be well, a team because player. it's like here's the thing: yeah. if you only pick up after yourself, and there's a a paper bag or <clears> a, <throat> something on the floor, stuff like that, and you're stepping over it while you're cleaning up after yourself. Maybe, just maybe, the guy who left that was, maybe he left it on the counter and some wind blew it onto the floor. You know what I mean? But you're just as bad by stepping over it, uh, by making an effort to step over it to clean up after yourself. So, again, going back to do what's right every time, pick it up. It's your firehouse. It's your house. <laughs> I um, agree. Yeah, I mean, I it is simple. Agree. Like, somebody's not going to pick it up, but they're going to step over it. I mean, it's your firehouse. Pick it up. Throw it out. What did that... Nothing. No Absolutely. effort at all. Absolutely. No effort at all. And if you do that every time, you know what? The saws are a little bit low, but they could stay. They, they don't have to be filled up. Fill them up. You right. know what I mean? Because when you're on the roof and you've got to make that last connecting cut and you run out of gas, is it going to matter then? Absolutely it is. Without a doubt. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, Captain, Captain Jones? Yeah, Adam Jones. Adam yep. Jones. All right. He's actually assistant chief now of our training academy. Yep. So what, what what happened there? Like you so, I like I said, they had uh, they had offered three nights. Montgomery County did. They had it was like a uh, ask any questions that you wanted to ask. Uh, it was they kind of gave you a study guide. They gave you a list of some books uh, on per, interpersonal skills, uh, things they were looking for, and they gave you an opportunity to ask about the job as well. So they got up, they did their little spiel, and then people asked questions afterwards. And then they gave you a email and a phone number and said if you have any questions. Later on, call the recruiting office, and uh, that's I went to that first one, and there was a couple good questions. I had a few questions that I had written down that I asked uh, personally to one of the recruiting people that were there, and then I was like, man, there was a couple good questions that I didn't think of, and then and again, you know, I'm talking 100 miles from my house in Rockville, mm -hmm. Maryland, so there was two more two more of those things, and I told my wife, I said, you know, I feel like I have to go to these other ones. I might miss out on a potentially good question, you know, and if I'm all in, I'm all in. So I drove again, signed up, and, you know, he's like, he's like, haven't you been here before? And I was like, yes, sir, this is, you know, my third night. Uh, he's like, why why you keep coming back? And I said, well, I said that some of the questions that were asked the first night were really good. Some of them weren't, I was embarrassed to be in the audience, but some of them were really good. And I came back the second night, you know, there were still, you know, good questions, not, but I didn't want to miss out on maybe a good question. And he said, really? And I said, yeah. And he gave me his card, and I still have it. He said, if you have any questions at all, let me know. And then he asked me on my, on my way out. He's like, did you sign in tonight? I said, yes, sir. He said, all right, no problem. And then I reached out once or twice to the recruiting office while I was, uh, you know, in the process with a few 
not mundane questions, but a few questions that I just wanted to verify before I went and took sure. the test. So uh, I think if they, I don't know if there's an ability. I, he clearly saw effort on my part. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if he took the list, the sign-up sheets, and compared who, who made it all three nights. I don't know if he didn't do anything, but uh, he did ask me, and uh, we've never talked about it since then. I know him, but uh, it, I got hired, so it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think one thing that, and maybe I'm just, you know, if I'm not remembering it correctly or something, just uh, smack me in the head, but, like, you, like, that, for you... It was somebody from the Department of Rank that actually took an interest in you. Right. Like, no, noticed the effort, and it was kind of a motivation. Yeah, and not only that, but, like, the dude's shirt was, like, a, like iron, like, collar pins were perfect, badge was polished, like, hair was perfect, and, like, he, you know, he had a... They, they have, like, he was the captain of the recruiting, and then they had a couple, like, firefighters that were there talking as well. But, man, I just remember this dude is, like, everything's together. Like, he's 100%. And I, the same thing. It's, and that's what I think you're referring to. I was yeah. like, man, this dude is yeah, on point. Squared away. Like, yeah, he's not going to be a captain long. And right. ultimately, he wasn't. Yeah. Right. But Must be something about captains with their hair being impeccable. I know this <laughs> guy from Camden, and his hair's always on point as well. So. But, yeah, that is that was amazing today, wasn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. Oh, I just got out of bed, and his hair's perfect. So. Well, Dan, thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely, here. it's always good to get a uh, to have a uh, tiller time this beverage. Is, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's talk about that real quick, right? So, Dan, I mean, thank you. Thanks for doing yes. this with us and You're inviting us to your home yep. and your business and introducing us to the guys down at the Allison, which is a whole another animal that we yeah. hope to get into, um, and so on. But real quick, the whole idea and premise behind the tiller time is you really helped us with. Uh, yeah with doing the shirts and the design and, and so on. And so, Dan, yeah, thank you for having us yep, here today, brother. This Welcome anytime. Fantastic. <laughs> Beer's always cold. And, uh, yeah, and, it, and, it's labeled, loud. and it's labeled really well, too. I mean, this is yeah. uh, this is cool. I'm excited to get, I'm taking these empties with me. I hope we don't get pulled over on the way. But, <laughs> I mean, it's just so cool. And this is, I think this just speaks to your character and who you are. It's everything you do, you do 100 miles an hour. I do. And you do it 100%. And, Try to. Um, yep. The fact that you invited us here and, you know, we've developed this relationship with you um, is awesome. And uh, and I can't thank you enough for spending the day with us. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not even done. we got a lot yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, look around. I'm sure so, you're going to have a million questions of, yeah. well, I mean, there's so much weird stuff sitting around here. And everybody always asks me, hey, what do you collect? What can I get you? And I was like, you know what? I only collect the shit that I really like. And I yeah. don't know it until I see it, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't collect helmets. I have some. I don't collect nozzles, you know. For me, most of the stuff I really enjoy is odd truck stuff, but I don't yep. know it until I see it, you know? Right. Um, right. Super cool. So anyway, thank you. Yep. Thanks for having us. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. As always, we absolutely, absolutely appreciate the support. Yeah, and, the, uh, and the studio audience, too. The studio yeah. audience. Live it's audience the first today. Live audience. Yeah. Live audience. Yeah. Yeah. Moving up in the world. So <laughs> anyway, guys, for Rob, Tucker, and myself, and of course, Dan. Thank you, brother, for having us. You're very welcome. And, uh, Come anytime. Thanks for tuning in. National Fire Radio. <laughs>